Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Hello, quality people, healthcare leaders, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, with the Quality Coaching Company, and welcome to episode number 14 of the Healthcare Quality Cast. After an exciting Nurses Week 2019, we're back bringing you another great episode with a very special guest. But first, this week's updates and shoutouts. The show is continuing to grow and thrive through the first six weeks. At the time of this recording, we're topping 1,300 total downloads and over 100 dedicated subscribers. Quality people, thank you so much for your support with the show. Please do continue to share with your colleagues, but also please rate and review, and you're always welcome to drop me a line directly through LinkedIn or email at info at the-qcc.com. Also, we've continued raking in the five-star reviews, and I love it because I use it as a great indicator that we're definitely adding value to you, our quality people. So thank you, Cody Hall, for your review and feedback. And congratulations again on that new opportunity you have down in Florida. Thank you also to Natalie Ross, William Hall, Emilio Torres, Michelle Bryan, and Dasha Manning. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we definitely have more great shows to deliver. All right, quality people, let's get into it. Today's guest is a very well-respected friend and colleague, Monique Whitehead. Monique and I work together at a past facility in the state of Florida, and we know as quality people that we manage projects in order to implement our quality improvement work. Working with Monique was actually my first time seeing a project management professional in the healthcare setting take the reins of a large quality improvement initiative and totally own it. Today, Monique is the Director of Program Management with Health eSystems. Health eSystems is an innovative organization that works to improve the quality of care and reduce overall medical costs through the deployment of its pharmacy and ancillary benefits management programs and also its clinical review services. Here, Monique leads the implementation and the vendor management departments for that organization. Together in episode number 14, Monique and I talk about finding passion in your work, share reflections on developing as project management professionals, share tips on effective ways of managing political obstacles that can impact our improvement projects. Monique teaches us the number one tip for being an approachable leader and building team relationships and so many other great pointers. Monique, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your story. Quality people, thank you so much for tuning in, and please do continue to rate and review the show, and please enjoy episode number 14. All right, so Monique, are you ready to share with some quality people? I sure am. Perfect. Well, Monique, we love to start the show with positive affirmations to really get the momentum going. Could you please share with our listeners a favorite quote or favorite mindset, um, but really share with us how do you apply it on a daily basis? Sure. 
One of my favorite quotes um, comes from Simon Sinek, um, which um, has written a really good book called um, Leaders Eat Last. So that quote is, um, working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. So I think that that quote means a lot to me because it speaks to anything you do in life, whether you're a mom, um, a wife, you manage people, or the way you, you handle your coworkers, the way you handle the tasks you do at work. You know, I really can tell when I'm in that stress mode, I'm just checking the boxes off and moving on as fast as I can. But when I'm in that mode that I really care about something I'm doing, I'm taking the time to be you know, careful, I'm taking the time to learn, I'm taking the time to research, and I'm really putting my all into it, that's when I know I have passion for something that I am that I really care about, that I want to be good at. Well, perfect. I, I love that quote because doing the work that we do in healthcare, I think, you know, especially being non-clinical folks, you absolutely have to have a passion for it. So I, I can yep. resonate with it big time. Yes. Definitely. All right. So, Monique, I want to thank you for jumping on the show with us today. But, you know, from our time of working together, I love that you are a project management professional with a process improvement, a quality management mindset, and, and very strategic in how I saw you doing a lot of projects. <clears throat> would love for you to share with us your introduction to quality process improvement, project management, um, but really share with us uh, how did you get, you know, your career start and go down that path? That's a really good question. I think that the biggest thing for folks out there is that there's no black and white for career paths. I think that when I first started out, I, you know, I started out as a business analyst. So I was fresh out of college. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do in IT. I knew I didn't want to be a developer. I knew that wasn't me, but I wasn't really sure. And, and back then, back in 2000, I mean, project management was fairly new. Uh, business analysis was fairly new. So I just thought, you know, let me take a shot at business analysis. Let me see where it takes me. Let me see what path it takes me down. What I found is that it really ignited some passion in me um, doing analysis on whether it was a project or new reporting needs, um, working with clients. I realized the passions that I had about, you know, working with other people, solving their problems, making their processes better. I found that when I was in that space, I was my best. I was happy. I was excited about what I was doing. I was looking forward to what I had to work on. So, that being in that mode, I feel like made me really good at what I was doing. Um, slowly things started evolving where um, I think my superior started seeing, you know, okay, maybe we can give her a little more. Maybe, maybe we can take her a little bit out of this BA world, right? And let's see what else she can do. So I'm really thankful for that because in that space, they started giving me some more project management duties. They started saying, okay, now, we know that you can help us design this next, you know, screen or, or you know, what we're trying to build here in our, in our tool. Why don't we see if you can see the delivery of that screen up through production? So let's see what you can do. You know, we'll give you these two coders and a tester, and we want you to design the screen. We want you to deliver something in a few months. Um, you know, see, see what you can do. So that was really my introduction into project management. And 
that again opened up a lot of areas that I never saw myself going into. It gave me the opportunity to really know my strengths and you know, it, it just ignited that passion of, wow, now not only do I get to have a say in kind of what we build, but I can see the process. I can see it finish and I can, I can celebrate it and I can train it and I can show people and really believe in what I'm building. So that was really my introduction into project management. Um, I've been in project management since 2008. Um, and even through my career in project management, I've done all different types of project management. Um, my biggest, you know, again, as I continue to grow and learn and do different things, uh, again, my passion was ignited when I joined the healthcare industry. You know, I, I thought to myself, what, where do I really want to be where I feel like I'm impacting people's lives? Like where at the end of the day, I really feel like I really accomplished something. And that's really how I got started in the healthcare industry. Well, and it's interesting. I, I always say the, um, What's the saying? The the reward for good work is more work. So it sounds like right. some of the oh, folks definitely. Were, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're really checking out the great job you were doing. Um, so question for you because of you know our, our connections obviously through PMI with project mm-hmm. management background. You know they they always say that folks get into project management and then they're trained in project management. What, was that right. a part of your experience as well, or or which came first for you, the training and then the experience, or, or vice versa? It was the experience first, for sure. I started gotcha. just, yeah, getting, you know, more responsibilities, being assigned, you know, projects to kind of see through. And when I started doing it, I started realizing, like, this is really could be a thing for me. This is really something I'm liking. So then I started researching, how can I go into project management? What do I, you know, what test, you know, certifications I need to take? What do I need to be learning? So really, for me, the experience came first. That's not uncommon. Um, and I, I don't know if that's yep. a good thing or bad thing. I had a very similar experience as well where um, my pre-healthcare life, I was doing more project management than process and quality improvement. And um, it was the same experience. I got thrown into some very large projects and then recognized that I needed the training and the skills and, um, mm-hmm. you know, to shore that up. So very similar, but no, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome story there. Thank you. (laughs) Monique, we love to learn from all the leaders that we have on the show. And um, fortunately or unfortunately, we like to learn what you would consider your worst moment as a healthcare project management or a healthcare quality leader. But we'd love for you to kind of dig us into the moment, help us understand the situation, but also some of the decisions that you were having to go through to uh, hopefully turn that moment around. I have to be honest with you. This was a tough one for me. Um, I really thought about one specific, you know, situation or something that might have happened that I thought was so by far the worst, you know, the worst thing I've ever been through. I had a really tough time coming up with one thing. Um, What I would say when I think about um, ever since joining the healthcare industry and project management, the only part that for me were a little tougher to go through were when I saw politics or other things getting in the middle of me delivering these important things that I needed to deliver. So, you know, I'm put in charge of really big projects, really groundbreaking things that are going to impact injured workers or patients. And then the next thing I turn a corner and there's some politics about, you know, I don't know, 
you know, political things that just sometimes happen at companies where leaders want to make changes that don't really make sense and you're left questioning, you know, hey, guys, really what's important here? Because I thought at the end of the day, we need to be helping these patients or we need to be helping these injured workers. So I think for me, that's probably the hardest thing that I sometimes have to deal with where I really have to take a step back and say, okay, at this point, is this really something that I need to fight for? Do I need to step in here and say, you know, look, this, this is, this is now going down a path I don't like, which sometimes has to happen. And there's some other times that I just have to sit back and go, you know what, this is, this is supposed to happen and I need to let it go. And I need to focus my energy on positive things and do what I need to do to get the important things done. So I try really hard to focus on the positive. I try not to let those small things affect the way I look at the big picture, right? I try to focus on the positive and at the end of the day, connect myself to why I'm passionate about what I do and why I like doing it so much, if that makes sense. Well, Monique, I, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no politics in healthcare. What <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this, because I, so I mean, I, I know I can relate, and I, I'm sure many of um, you know, many of our listeners will also relate to the way politics can impact any of the work that they're doing. What are some ways, especially in the project management mindset? Um, what are some ways to either, you know, sniff out the politics ahead of time or to, you know, just go ahead and hold up a mirror against some of the political issues that mm-hmm. are going on and, and really pull them out before you get too far down with your project or any of the work that you're mm-hmm. doing? Are, are there some um, are there some mm-hmm. good practices that, that come to mind in that? Definitely. You know, one of the biggest things I feel like is missing a lot of times between project management and other departments is that visibility and that communication that project managers should really be responsible for. I feel like when I'm being overly communicative or sharing my statuses proactively to the executives or other departments, less of the, you know, weird shady things that are happening on the back end happen because I'm out there and I'm telling everybody, this is what I'm working on. This is where it's going. This is what's going to happen from it. And this is why we're doing it and connecting those other people to why I'm passionate about what I'm doing. That I feel really helps in connecting others to see the passion and have passion for what you're doing. I feel like when you bring others in the fold and everybody feels like they're a part of that big picture, there's less of the other, you know, crazy things going on in the back end. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, fair enough. And I'm going to move us to the next question because now I feel bad. I was like, man, I, I probably almost jumped the gun with my next question for you, but you know, similar, but different mindset. I guess I'll hopefully get you to choose a different topic, but, what would be one uh, tip or tool or a tactic that you found works really well to build up intimate connections within project teams that you've led? And again, you know, what is it and how do, how do you apply it in the project setting? Definitely. Um, this is going to be a funny one. It's going to sound funny. But one of the biggest things I feel like the biggest traits that I've always had ever since I joined the workforce is I always find it very important to learn people's names. 
Now, that means, you know, learn the janitor's name, learn the receptionist's name, learn all the people's names that you come across day by day. I feel like that alone has made me be or or come across approachable to people, right? And that person that you learned their name and you see them in the hallway, hey, Joe, how's it going? How are you doing? Do you have a good weekend? I feel like just giving off that vibe of being approachable has really helped me build relationships. Now, those relationships, some of them may not seem that important, right? You're saying hello to the receptionist, not a big deal. But you know what? There may be a day where you're down a person on your team and the receptionist shows interest in doing something more. And she really likes you because you've made that effort and that time to get to know her and know her name and ask her how she's doing. So I truly believe that what goes around comes around. And when you treat people, no matter who they are, with respect and you learn their names and you get to know them and you're friendly with them and you say hello and you build those relationships, I really feel like that's what helped me personally succeed. That's awesome advice. I could definitely see uh, learning the receptionist's name coming in handy yep. any time when you're yep. in a crunch to to book a room yep. or you thought you had the room booked and yep. the movie. <laughs> no, so awesome. true. No, you no. never know. <laughs> you, you you just never know. So that that's a wonderful tip, and I think that's one of those things I think it's taken for granted a lot in healthcare because it can be very hierarchical hierarchical, um, if I say that right, mm-hmm. um, it, it can have that structure where, you know, you only speak under certain situations or certain levels of employees. So I love that that mm-hmm. feedback with um, learning people's names. I hope that's one that goes, yeah. that carries very far. Yeah. All right. So next question for you, Monique. Take us to one of the best aha moments that you've had as a project management and a quality professional, but then really walk us through how you had that idea when did that idea strike you, and how were you able to turn it into a personal or a professional success? Okay, this is another tough one. This was one <laughs> that I really had to think about, and I was like, okay, have I ever had a groundbreaking aha moment? I don't know if I have, <laughs> but um, I can definitely take you back to a project that I worked on in the hospital which I think looking back now is probably my, what I feel my greatest achievement um, as far as projects go. Um, we were working with the surgery team on improving their uh, time, certain measurements of times that they had. So, you know, wait times, um, you know, pre-op times, um, even um, post-op times, the times, you know, that it took for the surgeon to um, show up to a surgery. You know, I, I didn't even realize that, you know, even though you've got a surgery start time, it doesn't guarantee that the surgeon has made it to the office yet. So there was um, a lot to that project. There was a lot that I didn't know. I, I was a little scared. You know, I, I didn't know working at the hospital, a lot of these things I were new to me. I had no idea about some of these practices and I had no idea that, you know, doctors had their own schedules. I guess I just always assumed that they just live at the hospital. They're there all the time. So that's all they do. But um, so going through that project um, made me realize I can't hold back. I can't hold back from what I'm scared of. If I give myself that 
leeway to dive in and learn and give myself some, you know, tell myself, it's okay. It's all right that you're scared and it's okay that you don't know this. You will know it. You will. You just need to give yourself some time and figure out where I needed to learn and what I needed to learn, right? So I think that that's probably an aha moment that I remind myself when I am put in charge of something or given a new project that I really just know nothing about. I have to calm myself. I have to stop the negative talk and I have to say, you know what? You can do this. You can totally do this. You just need to give yourself some time. You need to learn it and, and get down to where you feel confident that you know how to lead this thing. And so I would have to say that that's probably the biggest thing. So what the outcome of that surgery project was we were actually published in a surgical mag magazine because the improvements that we had made in all of the areas of measurements for the hospital, it ended up being groundbreaking. We ended up rolling out some new procedures on how um, we were intaking our surgery patients. We were cutting, we cut down, I think our our intake time from the time somebody came to the hospital, I think it was taking like four hours for them before they finally got into surgery. We cut it down to almost two. And that's including everything, the pre-op, all the billing, all the paperwork, everything from the time they walk into the door to the time they're rolled back into surgery. And apparently that was a huge groundbreaking thing. Um, they wrote this huge article about us and the things that we were doing, the cutting edge, you know, processes we were putting in place. That really, I couldn't believe it when I thought back to the scared person I was when I was put in charge of the project, I couldn't believe at the outcome. And it was all just because I had to just give myself that freedom to feel okay, not knowing something right. And, and letting myself learn it. Well, and I appreciate that response because you know, that that's something that I, I think we may not talk enough about as project leaders and process improvement leaders is really that, that vulnerability and that moment at the beginning of projects more so than any other point within the project where we just don't really know the situation. Mm -hmm. I, I could almost, you know, almost envision it like being in war almost and, and just being dropped right. off in the middle of the battlefield and, and having to right. kind of get level set, right? It, it, it can be right. that area, you know, not as dangerous, obviously, but just that, that, yeah. Um, symbolism comes to mind, I guess. So um, yeah. I appreciate the yeah. yeah the vulnerability that you shared there, and and you know I hope our listeners definitely get a sense of you know to your point, it's okay mm -hmm. to say hey I'm not really sure and acknowledge some of those insecurities, but then to say you know what you know let let's go for it, let's figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, so Monique, what are some of the uh, changes going on across the healthcare industry right now that you're excited about, and what role do you see quality professionals and process improvement and project management professionals playing to promote it and support its longevity? So I think probably some of the things I've seen happening recently, um, at least in the news, you know, there's a lot of talk around like the opioid epi epidemic and a lot of a lot of, you know, research being done on practices that I think the healthcare industry has been doing for a long time that just may not be okay anymore. I feel like the standards are getting a little better as far as, you know, health, people being healthy and focusing on health, focusing on physical therapy, focusing on other means of being healthy or staying healthy. 
versus, you know, uh, pharmaceutical kind of, you know, prescriptions. Um, I feel like that's been a shift and I feel like it continues to grow. It continues to get stronger. I feel like as, you know, a professional in this industry, it's our duty to, again, keep in mind at the end of the day, the important thing is the patient. The important thing is that injured worker. What is the best, safest way we can get them healthy again? And if the industry is going down a path where they're looking at alternatives to pharmaceuticals and, you know, different ways of getting that person healthy again, I think it's our duty to go along with that and, and always keep that in the back of our mind that that's the important thing is that people get healthy and they get healthy the, the right way. What do you think the healthcare industry needs to do overall to become a more attractive place for us ambitious, talented project management leads that, you know, really diving in to start our careers or grow our careers? Mm -hmm. This is a good question. I think by far what companies need to keep in mind is just being open-minded, I think. Being open-minded to process engineering, being open-minded to project management, being open-minded that we bring a different kind of value to the company. You know, our values may not be hitting that bottom line, but being able to lead a group or multiple groups of people to an end goal is not an easy thing to do. And I feel like what companies start finding out is that it isn't an easy thing to do and not everybody can just do it. It, it does take a skill. It takes a certain kind of person. It takes, you know, a person with passion and a person that wants to learn and do the right thing and do it well. I feel like if companies gave our roles more of a chance, they would see where we could benefit things in the long run, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I, um, one of my favorite sayings, personal favorite that I think I just kind of coined as I was talking with a group of folks um, a couple of years ago, and it just sticks with me all the time, is it takes quality professionals to be quality professionals. Um, so mm -hmm. to your point, I mean, we we are bringing something different to the table. Um, I, I love your points about healthcare, just being open to it and, and seeing the value that we do bring. So I, I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, I agree. All right, perfect. Well, Monique, you are killing it right now. And what we're going to do now is move into a part of the show that we call the two-minute drill. Um, basically, this is going to be my fast pitch Q&A for you. Um, are, are you ready to go? Uh-oh. I'm a little nervous, but yes. <laughs> uh, don't be nervous. You got this. <laughs> All right, so first question for you. Tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out as a quality and project management professional. Um, the current company that I am a part of is called Healthy Systems. Uh, we work in the workman's compensation industry. We provide technology um, and other solutions to help insurance carriers ensure that patients get the right treatment and get back to work um, healthy and quickly. So <clears throat> I would say that my, um, my current role ignites my passion because, again, I'm, I've got a piece in helping patients, helping people be healthy, um, helping them get back to work and live their lives, that at the end of the day is what I remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. It helps me um, connect, connect to my passion of helping people. All right, wonderful. 
And what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Slow down. <laughs> I like to talk fast. I like to walk fast. I like to move fast. I like to hurry up and have my meetings and do things and get on it and learn. And a really good um, <clears throat> piece of advice that I've gotten over the years is slow down. Slow down, let things process, you know, maybe don't respond to that email so quickly, maybe think on it a little bit overnight, maybe, you know, don't jump on scheduling that meeting so quickly because maybe over the next day you'll have another epiphany of a different way to handle something. So um, that's been the best piece of advice that I continue to remind myself and, and try to use. All right, perfect. Slow down. We got it. <laughs> Uh, so, Monique, do you have a mentor that has had an impact on your career? You know, I similar to my other questions here, I don't have one. I have to say I have many. I've had previous bosses who've taught me the ins and outs. I have close friends who've dealt with some really tough life issues, inspire me that I can co overcome any issue if they can overcome theirs. Um, my husband, I can bounce ideas off of him. He gives me a different perspective. He keeps me in line. My parents support me. They support every career decision I've made and always believe in me, boost my confidence. I feel like having a group of people like that in my circle is really what pushes me and keeps me going to doing different things and learning different things all the time. Now I love to uh, I love to dig a little bit deeper on this question for you because you know even as a quality improvement professional it's tough to always find mentors but again with your background kind of the best of two worlds quality and project management what are some points of advice some tips that you could offer for folks like like us to even go about finding a mentor in the healthcare area. So that's a tough one. Um, I would definitely say if you've got, look, look at your own space. So where you are currently working, if you are currently working in the healthcare field, um, look around you and look at those folks that you may be working with day in and day out, but haven't really had a chance to sit down with and bounce ideas off of. I would say that's the first best place to start because those folks are going to already know some of what you're struggling with and some things that you might need help with, right? So their advice is going to be point, you know, it's going to be spot on with kind of what you're, you're dealing with. Um, I would say outside of your space and your work, you know, um, I really look for inspiration in um, books. I look for inspiration um, through PMI. So I'm a part of the PMI um, Tampa Bay chapter. They have monthly dinners where they've got speakers that go and talk about different topics. So I know going to that space, I'm in a room with other professionals that are probably going through some of the same things I'm going through, right? So those are very easy places to go and strike up a conversation with the person sitting next to you and really meet people to really see is there somebody else out there that I can really connect with that can help? All right, wonderful. I appreciate you going with that question. Next question I have for you. Uh, Monique, share with us a personal mm -hmm. habit that contributes to your success when leading quality initiatives or, or other projects that fall within your, in your scope. This is a good question. I would say stay positive. Stay positive, be a cheerleader, believe in what you're doing, 
understand why you're doing the things you're doing. If you're given a project and you just don't get it, why am I working on this? This is a waste of my time. Well, it's up to you to go back and figure it out. Figure out why was this assigned to you? What's the end goal here? What am I really working towards? That helps me connect myself to the value of what I'm going to be, you know, doing or building or delivering. And it helps me stay positive at the end of the day and think positive about what I'm working on and knowing that I'm going to be working towards a good, you know, something good. I know what my goal is and I'm going to reach that finish line. Wonderful. I love that answer right there. Next question we have for you. Could you please share with us your number one internet resource that helps you to be the most productive? This was really hard. I <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> I definitely don't have one. Honestly, Google is my friend. You know, I have some weird thing I'm dealing with. I Google. I say, is there a template for this? Is there a measurement for this? So I would have to say Google, but I really use um, the PMI website. They've got a ton of articles out there. They've got webinars you can join. Um, there's a ton of resource out there. And more than likely, if there's something that I'm struggling with on a project, somebody's already written about it out there. So I would say either Google or project management website. Perfect. You you would be surprised, but I've gotten probably Google as the number one answer going so far for yeah. this question. <laughs> I know. Google <laughs> is my friend. Even being a mom, yeah. Google is my friend. <laughs> yeah, eventually I might have to change up that question a little bit because I, <laughs> I never would have expected Google being the frequent yeah. answer there, but no, awesome. yeah. that's great feedback. <laughs> All right, so next question we have for you, um, and I can take a guess on where this is going to land, but uh, please share with our quality folks uh, your number one resource for a professional association and a professional conference that you think would be a value add. Yeah, the PMI website, you know, kind of what I already said has a ton of knowledge, but my local PMI chapter does a PMI symposium every year. Um, it's a day-long event. They usually have five or six speakers throughout that day. You can go and get your education credits. But that symposium is the one conference I budget for every year because every year I go and I always come back with something, whether it's knowledge about how to deal with a certain situation, or sometimes like this last one that we had this year, um, the speaker was giving away templates on how, you know, you could try to calculate um, slack on a project or if a project's running behind, how could you, you know, use math to try to figure out when you would escalate that, you know, that the project's running behind. So I always get a ton of value from the local chapter um, symposiums that they put on. Yeah, and I actually miss those. Um, the, I know the chapters over there on West Florida were good. Um, and in my time mm. in North Carolina, the, the PMI chapters in North Carolina were really rocking, very active groups. So um, great, mm. great resources. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So could you please share with us or recommend for us at least one book you think our listeners would benefit from and also why would it be a benefit? Yes. Um this book, I have to say, um, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. It was just thrown out there in one of our department meetings. Somebody happened to mention that they, I actually think it was my boss, happened to mention that she read it and she liked it. And I thought, hmm, okay, well, I've got some time. Let me give it a shot. It was called um, Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. 
Um, this book was just life-changing. I can't even say enough about this book. I've read a ton of leadership books, a ton of parenting books even, and this one book was really the only book that I connected with. Everything they talked about, I connected with. The examples they gave, I connected with. The stories they told, I connected with. The tough personalities they talked about, I connected with. I felt like this was the only leadership book where going through the whole thing, every time they said something, I was like, yep, I've been through that. I know what that's like. And um, it gives you really good tips on how to dissect a situation and figure it out. I mean, I can't say enough about this book. If people want to read more than just this book, there's a second part to it um, called The Anatomy of Peace. And it's kind of a follow-up to this book um, that's a little bit more of a personal spin on the main character and kind of talks about his family and his family life. Um, so I would say, though, that Leadership and Self-Deception, if I had to recommend any book for anybody out there to read, read this book. It will help you get through whatever tough times you're dealing with at work. It is awesome. All right, wonderful. I've not heard of that one, so I would definitely, um, you know, make sure we highlight that in the show notes. But I'll probably start looking into it myself now uh, with the recommendation you just gave. That was that's phenomenal. Awesome. Yes, it's really good. <laughs> All right, so Monique, drum roll on this next question because this is a personal favorite. What I'm going to try to get you to do now is simultaneously reflect on your past while also getting you to look forward to your future. So let's say if you were able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future, take a few seconds and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? This is very, very tough. This was a really tough one. I really had to think about it. Um, I know, this was a tough one. Um, so if I was thinking about what I would say to myself in the past, I probably would say be patient. The best is, you know, the best is coming. I think that I was just motivated and energized and just, again, moving really, really, really fast. Um, and I think that if I had, you know, if I know, would have known what I know now, I think, being patient would have helped me kind of not have so much anxiety over things. Maybe <laughs> That'd be, that would be the biggest thing. Um, if I was sending a text to myself in the future, I probably would sort of along the line, say the same thing, enjoy every moment. You know, I try to do that. It's really hard to do that. I feel like being a working mom, you know, having a, um, you know, an active four-year-old, it's sometimes it's tough to just, slow down and just enjoy every moment. Even if it's a tough moment, you know, they're not going to be three or four or five forever. You know, it's like you really have to, you know, take those moments and just find the good, find the positive and just enjoy every moment. So I think that that would be what I would say to myself in the future. I love that question and uh, because it gets folks to kind of slow down and be very reflective and also say, man, what is going on 10 years from now? So um, I think you did right. a great job responding to both of those <laughs> the, both of those questions. Monique, that is all I have for you. You have successfully made it through the end of the conversation. <laughs> Before Woo! I let you go, though, 
I know, right? Cheer, cheer. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, I would love for you to give our quality people a parting piece of advice, and if it's okay, share with them the best way that they can follow you or connect with you through social media, and then we will officially sign off. Okay. Um, I would say parting piece of advice, um, work on yourself. Work on your weaknesses, you know, Part of the reason I loved that book so much is that it really turned things around to me and how I was viewing a situation. Um, it helped me open my mind to, you know what, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I need to work on things. Maybe I need to spend some time thinking about how I can make myself better. How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better coworker? What can I do to improve myself? Um, taking the time to do that will reward you tenfold. You know, taking the time to get to know yourself and what ignites your passion is going to be really what tells you if what you're doing is what you need to be doing. And maybe you're stuck in a job right now that you're like, I'm not really sure if this is igniting my passion or if this is working towards something that I want to be working towards. That's okay. That's part of the journey, right? We, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for last year and the year before and the things we learned and the mistakes we made. So I think that that would be my biggest parting advice is just be gentle with yourself. Let It's okay to do some self-reflection and change your mind about what you might be working on. Um, so I'm not super connected on social media. I have, you know, a very young child, so I don't have a lot of time um, where I'm on social media, but I am on LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Monique Whitehead um, in Tampa, Florida. Perfect. Well, Monique, thank you so much again just for um, your time, your expertise, your advice that you shared. Um, I know we will continue to stay connected, and I know once we get this show posted, our listeners are really going to get a kick out of learning from you, um, taking in your advice, and all of the above. So thank you so much again, and we'll be talking soon. Thank you so much, Jarvis. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.